Last time, you remember, the citizens of Frostbite Falls had the shock of their lives when every TV antenna in town mysteriously disappeared. Their reaction was instantaneous. Our lives are ruined! Some people refused to admit that the terrible thing had happened and sat doggedly before their sets anyway. Others resorted to ingenious methods of substitution. But the most mysterious thing of all was the way the antennas had disappeared. You may not believe this, boys, but every one of them was bitten off. Bitten, bitten off? off? You mean there's some metal munching monster loose in this town? Now, let's not jump to conclusions, boys. There's probably some logical explanation. Sure make a better story my way. We are the real Brady Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg and uh, who were you again? I played Peter. We've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of the Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why the Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are the real Brady Bros. Hi, this is George Chikiris, and you're listening to TV Confidential. We're talking about Quinn Martin, Cannon, and the career of William Conrad, along with Tony Figueroa, and Donna Allen. He did after Cannon. He did Nero Wolf. Nero Wolf, which on thirteen and now. Yeah, on NBC. And the young the horse Yeah. And then within five years, he did Jake and the Fat Man with Dean Hargrove, uh, produced by Dean Hargrove and Trick Yeah, which started. Um, and that's. I, I think that was a spinoff of Murder She Wrote. It may have I been, so. and then the show moved to Hawaii. Right. I think he moved to Hawaii after Magnum P.I. ended. Oh, okay, that makes I sense. I think that's how that happened. I'm, I'm going off memory here, so... I think I think you, you, you may have it there. Because um, Jake, Jake started, and my friend Paul Coyle would know this for sure, because Paul wrote for Jake and the Fat Man. But I think Jake started 87, 88. Magnum left TV at the end of the 87-88 season, and then I think they moved to Hawaii like 88-89, and they continued there for a couple of years. Yeah, so they, um, yeah, I think I think you nailed it right there. Yeah. Or he played, you know, and this time William Conrad is a district attorney. But, uh, yeah, the show was set in Los Angeles the first season. At the end of Magnum's PI, the show moved to Hawaii. The second, third season and half the fourth season were filmed in Honolulu. The show then returned to Los Angeles for the remainder of its run. And every, the title of every episode of Jake and the Fat Man was named after a classic song from the Great American Standbook, like Love Me or Leave Me. That's a cool device. Yeah. So, and and this I did not know, uh, and I'm surprised uh, my memory is not uh tuned into this uh joe penny you know remember he came off of riptide yeah uh lost a large amount of weight after the show moved to hawaii which led to many rumors about his health i did not including the possibility that he had aids remember if at that time if you were in the public eye that could be a killer and Mm -hmm. and you were dropping weight that's a poor choice of words but that 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 could have hurt you you're talking career killer yeah Yeah. that's remember career killer richard Pryor was losing weight when he uh was he was getting sick? It wasn't, yeah. but uh, immediately people were going there, and uh, even I think models were having that if they were dropping too much. Uh, so, or even an actor losing weight for a part, 
uh, people were immediately jumping that. Uh, he had actually suffered from a gastro, uh, gastrointestinal virus and having difficulty retaining his weight. And uh, when the show moved back to Los Angeles, uh, that was uh, his urging. He, uh, I guess he he had too much of Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he probably ate something bad. Uh, uh, but, you know, it's just uh, I imagine Kamehameha's uh, Kamea, Kamea revenge. Yeah, but yeah, it's probably something like that. But yeah. you know, just uh, uh, interesting that yeah, yeah, that it's it's not William Conrad's weight people were concerned about. Yeah. It was it was Joe Penny losing yes. weight that people were concerned about. I, I I do understand that he got that Conrad got bigger as the, as, as 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 the show went along. Uh, he has steady work, and I imagine you could eat very well in Hawaii. Yes. Uh, a, a lot of local delicacies, and if you did not have a, a, a problem like Joe Penny had, uh, you could easily put on. Being somebody who comes originally from a tropical island who visits every so often, uh, the local food there, you could put on a lot of weight really fast. I was telling you guys this story off the air when I was working on my book on The Fugitive, I reached out to William Conrad, who, of course, narrated every episode of The Fugitive, and I finally heard from him about two weeks before I had to turn the manuscript into the publisher. And he was very nice. He he was a little frail at the time. I think this was a, this was about a, within a year before he died. But he basically said, I, I don't have any memories of my doing the narration of The Fugitive, but I'm calling you simply because you reached out to me and I wanted to at least let you know that I got your letter and to thank you for writing me, which not every actor would do. I mean, they would just kind of put, some actors, they, they get a letter and they just put it aside and that's the end of that, you know. And and I, I understand that sometimes when you reach out to people, sometimes people will respond, sometimes people don't respond. I don't hold that against them, but I remember, when, that's that's the other thing when, when people when, when I hear the name William Conrad, I think back to that conversation. That's a very nice courtesy. Yeah. Yeah. That shows, I, I think that shows a certain level of professionalism as yeah. well. And you bring up narrating The uh, the Fugitive. He also narrated Rocky and Bullwinkle. That's right. People forget that. People forget that. Uh, there was, I think PBS may have done it, or, or was it, uh, no, maybe it was a, a special when they released all the episodes. This is VHS. And they had a, a big uh, broadcast of the release and kind of a retrospective. And he did narration going in and out of commercial for the. And I remember, and he, clo- you know, kind of did a, you know. And Frostbite Falls. Exactly. He did exactly that. And it, first of all, it sounded like he was loving it. Yeah, I'll bet he was. Uh, but, you know, it's just you don't always, you know, when you look at the guy, it, you, you don't make that kind of, you don't make you know, that, yeah, you, just you, you like, you know, cannon, was, you think of Gunsmoke. Yeah, he know? was Matt <laughs> Dillon. Yeah. And uh, on, on Gunsmoke on, on, on radio. radio. And, you know, but he, wa- the, he wanted mm-hmm. to play Gunsmoke on television. But this is according to the story. Um, the, he, he was told you're not visual. Yeah. He he did when that happened. He was uh, pursuing uh, producing and and uh, more behind the scenes aspects. Yeah. Well, beca- beyond the be- voiceover. He, he, he be, well, because he was finding difficulty. He was having difficulty finding acting roles other than heavies. Yeah, because of the fact. Because you know, of, yeah, 
I, I suppose you could say he was he was weightist. Yeah. I don't know whether Jerry Seinfeld coined this term, but he, if if this were a Seinfeld episode, he would say you're being weightist. Yeah, <laughs> he would. Uh, I've seen him like on Sunny and Cher and on Carol Burnett. Oh, he would he would sing. He would sing, and and some of the he would let loose. He was incredibly funny, but also you know, the his voiceover talent. He would try to use it as much as possible. Sure. I remember on Sunny and Cher, he had done. Um, uh, a song called the the men in my little girl's life and he's doing the voice of his daughter at various stages of life you know from uh you know being like you know being dad being the most important yeah. man in the little girl's life to the boyfriend who becomes the husband yeah. and then the his grandson you know and then you know the you know the maturing voice and uh just, I mean, it's such a beautifully done performance. And then to do like an Oliver, Oliver Hardy sketch. And on Sonny and Cher, also, he was in the Christmas episode. And he does basically a variation of Yes, Virginia, There's but to Chastity, pre-Chaz. So, uh, you know, just, you know, Chastity asking. And Chastity was a little girl. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you know, she was tiny. And, you know, Sonny and Cher with, you know, of course, on Christmas, sitting by the tree in a tuxedo and an evening gown. Um, <laughs> of course. A Bob Mackie evening gown. You know, yeah. I'm saying, well, you know, uh, Chastity, did you have a question for Mr. Conrad? And, you know, it's like, okay, well, this fat guy must know. Yes. Uh, you know, is there a Santa Claus? You know, you know of course, you're going to ask a fat guy because they all get, to, you know, yes. they all know each other. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'm sure, uh, it, and he did kind of, uh, you know, yes, chastity, there is a, ch- you know, in yeah. that voice. And when it's read, you know, it's 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 beautiful though, when you have the right person reading a piece of material no, like very, that. He's he very talented, and, I'm, and my, my guess, it sounds like he relished the opportunity to do, to, to show those facets of his personality and his, his, his talent skill. Because even though canon, you would see, they, they would attempt to... Incorporate, you know, Canon well, William Conrad's sense of humor. There, there are limitations because it was basically a crime drama. Yeah, you, you're, you're, you, you're, you don't watch a QM show to to have William Conrad emote. No, not no. at all. And nor would a QM show have that episode where they're putting on a variety show. No, oh. which was <laughs> yeah. Donna and I had this conversation. In the back. in fact, you know, it's funny how Lyndon never showed his musical talents on yeah. Barney Miller. Going back there, you never saw the one where they were doing the policeman's variety charity event. Although you you probably would today. Oh, let's hope not. <laughs> You can now purchase T-shirts, mugs, caps, hoodies, wall clocks, and other gifts with the TV Confidential logo from the official TV Confidential merchandise shop. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash merchandise or cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential, cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential. 
be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.